welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I am your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Whifford. Hey! So today, we're going to be diving into Shadow and Bone, Season 2, Episode 5, titled... Despise Your Heart. And that's not the... It's the translated title. (laughs) Uh, The actual title is in a different language, so I'm not going to butcher it with my poor linguistic skills. I love that choice. All right. Episode five, despise your heart. All right. So before we dive in here, let's go over the typical reminders. If you want to get in contact with the show, you could get us on Instagram, which is fantasy re- at fantasy rewind pod. We're also on Twitter, which is at fantasy rewind. We're, we also have an email. If you want to write us an email, which is fantasy rewind pod at gmail.com. All right, without any farther ado, let's dive into the rewind. Fantasy rewind. All right, Dylan, episode five, your thoughts. Go. So episode five, Despise Your Heart, for me, was really um, the first of a two-part episode, basically, where I felt like this episode and the next one were so closely linked, like you had, like we had talked about, that it's really kind of hard to distinguish the two. But Mike's going to keep us on track when we do. And uh, when mm-hmm. we go over it here. And so I thought this episode really kind of gave us the push after that midseason finale of Kerrigan attacking. And really set up two camps. Where we have the crows on their quest to go find the magical sword that can cut Shadow. And then we also have Alina as she tries to hunt down Marisova's animal uh, to find the Firebird here and so those are i think are two big factions that are happening right now but all in all i thought that this episode gave us a kick in the pants in the right direction and was pretty enjoyable and made me click the next one as soon as it was over because i wanted to keep going with this storyline what about you mike absolutely i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there this was definitely after the last episode episode four which was like we said the mid-season finale this one set up the whole next arc, mm. right? We have Kerrigan and his team deciding that they want to, you know, sort of go off and destroy the first army, which is a shift for him throughout the episode. And we have Alina deciding to go after the Firebird. We have the Crows, like you said, going after the sword and... It's This episode is one that sort of sets some foundation with some relationships. It also gives us some minor storylines to pay attention to as we go forward. So I want to start there with some of the minor storylines that it introduced, because I think these are small in this episode, but important. So the first one, which is the smallest, is Pekka Rollins and the Fjordan. We thought Pekka Rollins was done, right? Mm-hmm. He got into Hellgate, his career's over. Who's going to follow him? Turns out everyone. Yeah, I couldn't believe this nonsense, it was man. Dumb. It was really dumb. So Pekka Rollins gets thrown into Hellgate. All the guys are around. The guards are just standing there watching, right. which I find just incredibly stupid. Um, you know, why are they going to like w- let Pekka Rollins get back to power in their prison? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me why the guards would be like, oh, yeah, sure. You can lead all the. You can lead all these yeah. guys. That's going to be great news. He for basically us. took over like, the prison on. as soon as he walked through the door. And I mean, I get that a lot of these yeah. guards were probably on his payroll before, but still, like 
Can't mm-hmm. they see that his time has come and gone? Like, why would you allow him to rise to power again? It makes no sense to me. Correct. Also, too, like the prisoners. So he comes in and then um, the Fjordans prison cellmate, who I don't know his He's name, also a Fjordan, decides though. to go. Yeah, he is also a Fjordan. But he goes and starts beating him up and uh, he ends up getting killed by Pekka. Everyone just watches. And I, I was even the he like the the big the big Fjordan, our Fjordan, Mateus was trying to get to him and couldn't. And I was like, dude, you could have gotten to him if you wanted to. Yeah, like those bodies in the way mean nothing to you. And so I was a little upset one because there was other people who like wanted Pekka dead in that crowd. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, I'm not going to mess with you because you killed him. Uh, if you didn't like him, you would have just jumped in and helped kill him for real. I, I don't know. It just seemed kind of stupid and just just to keep his story going. And it's going to cause issues for Mateus because Pekka knows that Mateus has a connection to the heart render on the outside. And so he's going to use that as leverage. And it's going to be a whole thing. Yep. But that's a small storyline going forward. Another one that I think is it's intertwined, but I think it's important to watch is David and Jenya. Mm, yeah. So their relationship so in this episode, you know, David's been with Alina sort of as a prisoner, and now he's he's been given a little bit more trust, a little bit more leeway, because obviously he was right about Kerrigan, and when Jenya shows up, she won't even look at him, and he thinks it's because he left her, and um, but it, it's because Jenya can't think she's broken, and that he doesn't want, he won't want her anymore because of her deformity from Kerrigan's attack. They have a pretty tender moment and, you know, David's like, it's not about the outward appearance. It's about what's inside of you. Right. And that was really beautiful. And I love that. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how their relationship grows as we go forward. Yeah. Like we're just touching on that one really quick. Like you just said, it was all about Jenya feeling self-conscious about her own deformity because she's always been the Grisha who is beautiful, who can make others beautiful. And so she assumed that's why David wanted her. And with Kerrigan taking away her beauty, and then she gets spat on by other Grisha calling her ruined or broken or something. Yeah. Her self-esteem is at an all-time low. And she was like, I don't even want to tempt fate. I know David won't want me anymore. I'm just going to end this now myself and refuse to see him. But David's like, no, it's what's on the inside that counts. You're beautiful, or you were beautiful, yes. But you're, you have a beautiful soul, and that's what I fell in love with, basically. And it was a tender moment, and it was good to see David show some human emotion and, you know, come through for Jenya when she needed it. Yes, it was. All, so the other uh, episode here we're looking at is, or the other part of the episode here we're getting into is Kirigan's side. Now, his and Alina's storyline are really intertwined in this episode. So Kirigan is... He's... Getting back to his lair, he's finding that the entire room with Bagra and Jenya is completely destroyed. And then we have um, him sort of like, you know, getting upset about that. And his lieutenant in command, I don't know, the wave dancer lady, the weird yeah, the weird, the one, weird who one had one Bagra as Yeah, it's just like, oh, like we need to, the most strategic thing to do that's going to help us win this is to take out the first army. And he's like, no, all of our forces will be, you know, going after Alina. Alina. My Alina. Alina. 
Myelina. Yeah, because he's obsessed. As we go through this episode, um, we find out that Alina really finds out about this connection between her and Kirigan, and she talks with David about it, and Bagra, and she decides, okay, I can get rid of this. I can finish sealing this off by removing the piece of the bone from the stag that's in his hand. And so she decides that, or Bagra says, like, if, oh, if you can, if he can come to you, then you should be able to go to him. And so Alina decides to take it into her own hands, goes into the church, and starts just, like, mind-melding in and channeling (laughs) into uh, Kerrigan's presence and tries seducing him so that way she can destroy the stag particle. She is interrupted by Mel, and she blames Mel. She's really mad, even though Mel has been kidnapped and had to fight his way back. She just completely blows that part off and, like, doesn't even consider it. Yeah, because she's so concerned about getting Kerrigan back. A very Kerrigan move, really. It is, and I mean, I just want to jump in here as well and just say that this is exactly what Kerrigan would have done. Like you said, it was a very Kerrigan move. And you start to see Mm. Alina start to darken and transform more and more, I think, in this episode um, into what Kerrigan has become. And you see, like, sort of, sort of that like corruption of power going towards her, with her fight that she had with Mel, with her recklessness, and just her inability to like see the consequences of her actions going forward. Yeah. I also want to say that this whole connection between Kirigan and Alina, I was thinking about it, and it really reminds me of Talleyrand Riyadh and Wheel of Time, mm-hmm. and how like mm-hmm. something bad happens to you in Talleyrand Riyadh you're getting deformed and you're suffering the consequences in the waking world as well. So it reminds me of that quite a bit. Yeah, there is some definite connections there with that. And also too, like just the whole channeling Alina's doing made me like wheel of time. For sure, for sure. (laughs) Looks so wheel of time. Uh, But anyway, Kirigan then after that incident, because she did blast his hand, uh, didn't sever the connection or anything. But she severely wounded Uh, his hand. (laughs) It has a big black hole in it. Yeah, she severely wounded his hand. And... After that, he's just like, he tells his lieutenant, yes, we're going to destroy the first army. I'm over playing nice. <laughs> yep. Getting down to business. Uh, so he's he's just like, I'm going to destroy Alina and her friends. And everything she's ever cared about. That orphanage she wants to yeah. go to, she grew up in, gone. And like, so. Yeah. Well, that's next eh. episode, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is next episode, but yes, yes, yes. He's going after everything. Now, I do want to bring this up too. Uh, so... There is a lot more in Alina's camp, and I think this is the natural progression here before we get into the crows. Nikolai learns that Genya is the Grishin that poisoned his dad. Mm-hmm. He's really upset at first, and this could have ended poorly for Genya, but this really shows Nikolai's character. Yeah. He is not the type of person who's going to hold this against her because... She explains herself. He knows... Yeah, and she he knows what his father was capable and what his family is capable of and what they did to her and what his mother allowed to happen under her watch. And so it shows that he is very much aware of, like, he, he treats people as people, whereas a lot of times in this, at least in his family, it seems like people are just pawns. They're used. 
And I really loved and so, how uh, Jenya kind of went in and explained to Nikolai exactly how she killed the king by poisoning her body so that when the king took her and raped her and kissed her body, it killed him. And I thought that yeah. was one heck of a way to get revenge because. And it wasn't over no, one no. time. It was over multiple yeah. times. And like, and the the mom wanted to like seize Jenya and have her killed right there. And he was like, no. Mm-hmm. It just makes me <laughs> He's like, like you, him more and more. Oh yeah. I love him. He's great. You, he was like telling his mom, you have, we're supposed to protect like the, all the people of Ravka. They're supposed to be like your children. And yet you turned a blind eye. You knew this was happening because mm-hmm. she was one of your handmaidens. You were supposed to protect her. Oh, well, uh, yeah. It just shows like when so you have I, someone's privilege thrown back at them when they didn't use it yes. for good, you know, mm. it can have consequences. And the consequence in this instance is Nikolai no longer really trusting his mom and seeing her as part of the problem with Ravka rather than part of the solution and him wanting to basically not have her be a part of future planning for Ravka and take it in a new direction. Yeah. And I think that's the best thing possible. Also to um, Alina and Mel and Pagra are going to go after the firebird. Uh, <laughs> she gives back the ring to Nikolai, but Nikolai gives her his lucky compass because obviously that relationship cannot be done. So I, I do think that's interesting, especially with some of the developments we learn in, Episode six. Let's head on over to the, to the crows. Last storyline here in the crows. So Tolia and Zoya arrive in Ketterdam and they're going, they're telling Kez and the crows about the lost blade and retrieving it. Inej technically at this point is not in the group and she's not allowed to come, but they're still talking to her and she, she's coming. At, yeah, I mean, she's, she's got, going anyway. She's got, this right? is just Kaz being stupid and not wanting his yes. feelings to put him in a position where they could be taken advantage of against him. But it's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Kaz comes up back and basically says like, oh, the one in Amarat Jen is definitely a fake and it was stolen by a thief known as the Disciple. A man who had a knack for stealing saint-related relics. Uh, so they head out to Oval Saran, and they're going to be meeting with this person at a tea shop who is supposed to be the, the like the like, fence in the between intermediary, yeah, to the disciple. And so it's it was really cool. We got to see like a shoe town and all the. <laughs> I loved it. Toya was like eating all the different foods. It was really, it was, it was a really great scene. And there was a lot of cultural relevance here. You know, they're there during a festival, they're honoring the dead. And I thought it was just, it was a really nice scene to be able to see all this and see the group sort of have these interactions together. I thought it was really cool. Like you said, to actually get a glimpse inside of Shuhan. And then like you, like you also just said, like get some more world building happening. So it's not just, action following the Ravka crew and as we're all seeing the world through a Ravka lens which we kind of are but you're also getting a peek behind the curtain at what's going on within Shuhan yeah uh, another little tidbit here is we learn that Wyland can't read mm-hmm. and Jas- Jasper is like sort of messing things up with them uh, because he he's like oh lots of people can't read you he know, he's making it worse and worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, though, is too, Wyland is super smart, but this is definitely something he's insecure yep, about. For sure. And so... If you see Jesper later you know, on, like, saying, oh, you're the smartest person I know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, but I can't read, right? So you're just saying this yeah. to kind of butter me up. I'm not, I'm yeah, not you're just happy pay- with you right now. Patronizing. Yeah, patronizing him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, so Kaz and um, the heart render... Nina. Nina. Did have tea together yep they have tea with the fence there for the disciple yes who is they actually figure out is the disciple and kaz has been having some flashbacks this episode of him on the raft with his brother's dead body covered in the pox and a whole bunch of other bodies and he gets tea spilled on him when they try to basically confront the disciple and he goes into this like ptsd situation inej brings him his hat back and makes sure he's okay. And he's upset because she didn't follow the fence. And she's like, well, you know, I, I chose you. Yeah. To make sure you are okay. No, yeah. I think it's interesting because in this part, you learn that Kaz does not like to be touched at all. Like he wears his gloves oh, at yeah. all times. And like the, the fence for the disciple there, or I should say the disciple herself was a little bit peeved at him for not following the cultural tra- tradition of, dipping his fingers in the tea and then touching him himself and everything. And so he eventually succumbed to that and did show some respect, but you see a lot of, like you said, Kaz PTSD coming out in this episode. Yes. And it's an, it's a nice foil to his character, right? Someone who's so tough and like hard on the outside, having all this internal struggle, internal like fear gripping him almost the entire episode. Yes. So Kaz makes a plan, basically, and um, they find out that the disciple is going to be going to pick some stuff up from the pharmacy. They found out where her house is, so they're going to break in while she's going to the pharmacy. We have Nina and... And Zoya. Toya, and Zoya. <laughs> Toya and Zoya. And Zoya um, telling her to make sure that she doesn't go back when, you know, they're right, there. They're breaking into her house. So... Yeah, they're bra- uh, the crew's breaking into the house. Everything's going pretty good until they go into everyone except Wyland. Wyland is setting up sort of a diversionary uh, tactics at the front gate. And the crew goes into the second building. And as they go in, they step on something. It seals them in, starts shooting in poison. And uh, they're all sort of starting to hallucinate. And as this is happening as well... Nina and uh, Zoya lose the disciple and Nina is blindsided by Oval who is the disciple in the street and almost dies except that Nina stops her heart long enough so that Oval stops choking her basically. Yeah you see just how badass this lady is because she blows through Nina no contest and like the heart render skills were useless against her because she just power throughs and just powers, powers through and is ridiculously great at what she's doing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, as the episode kind of closed out there, Nina wakens, finds Zoya and they're like, Oh no, the crew. Yeah. <laughs> so they have to run and they yeah. start going towards the crows, but this is where the episode ends on a cliffhanger and why we kept watching into the next episode right away. Yeah, very good. But definitely episode six was chef's kiss. Yeah. And that is what we'll talk about next time.
Yeah. All right. Well, without any farther delay here, let us know your thoughts. And if you also just like clicked right on through and watched these episodes back to back, like we did <laughs> here, um, if you're enjoying Shadow and Bone and what you'd like to see us cover in the future after this short season here ends coming up. But in the meantime, this is going to be two nerds signing off. See ya. See ya.